Welcome to the Wedding Film Academy podcast, your go-to source for learning to create stunning wedding films and run a successful business. Here's your host, Lumix Luminary and wedding filmmaker, Jordan Bunch. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Wedding Film Academy podcast. We're continuing on here with our series on composition, and I couldn't be more excited about our guest today. Today, we have Alex Douglas on. Alex is a three-time award-winning filmmaker, uh, sorry, Emmy award-winning filmmaker, uh, won multiple awards. Actually, recently, uh, last year, he won... Uh, first prize in the commercial and illustrated film competition at WPPI. Uh, won a number of awards in the last several years, but most notably the three Emmys, which is just mind-blowing. Uh, recently, actually, I was checking out some of the forums on Facebook that a lot of you guys are on, and one of his films was circulating around the internet on these forums uh, that he had done in a couple of different countries. and. Uh, just the work blew me away. And so as soon as I saw that, I knew, oh my goodness, I have to have Alex on for this series on composition. So uh, yeah, like I said, with us, we have Alex Douglas. Alex, thanks for coming on. Hey, Jordan, man, it's a pleasure and honor to be here. Thanks for uh, reaching out to me. I think what you're doing is really, really good for the community. It's nice to uh, have a space like this where we can all kind of share our experiences and uh, learn from each other. Pretty cool stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. I think as we uh, as we help elevate other people, we elevate the entire industry. And I think we all win. You know, I think this uh, the, the old school attitude of I'm, I'm going to keep all of my secrets to myself and not share anything about what I'm doing, I think has mostly seems to have gone away in our industry, which I think is just fantastic um, because we're all going to keep, as we, you know, inspire others to do better work, then we're inspired by them in turn and, and it just elevates the whole industry. So. Yeah, yeah. for sure. No, for a while I was kind of like a, a hermit on the uh, social media waves. I just was like, ah, I don't really need to share my stuff a little protected, a little private, but I just think that's all kind of stupid. I guess if people like our work, that's cool. You know, I'm, I've been kind of floored and flattered and, uh, honored by people's responses. Um, well, they do like it because it's amazing. Uh, if you haven't, if you haven't seen it yet, I would encourage you. So your, your business is sculpting with time. Is that right? Yeah. Sculpting with time productions. Yeah. So, so definitely make sure you go and check this out. And I know that you're going to be floored. I saw a number of, uh, of other filmmakers who I respect and some other, other people who've even been on the show that were commenting and, you know, <laughs> I've heard people say, well, I'm throwing my camera away because uh, I will never get to this level. But that's not true. They'll get there. You just keep working at it. But Alex does really incredible work. So definitely check that out because I think that will give you a frame of reference for what we're talking about here when Alex, uh, you know, answers some of these questions about what he's doing in terms of composition. So, you know, check out a few of his films, maybe press pause on the podcast, go watch some of his films and then come back so that you have some context for the kinds of things that he's talking about here. Uh, yeah. So let's, let's dive into it, Alex. Talk to me about, 
um, whenever you're actually there, like you're, you're there on the wedding day or even on a commercial shoot, but you know, we're, we're talking mostly to wedding, um, to wedding video now. So when you're actually there at a wedding, what is it, um, what, what is inspiring your composition on the day of when you're there and the, the busyness and the hecticness that sometimes comes with a wedding day? What are you looking for for inspiration? I think for me, if I'm not doing a lot of work, studying, research, uh, whether it's current day filmmakers, the old masters, photographers, painters, mm. you know, all that stuff, I think... Uh, mm. As long as I'm like kind of constantly kind of feeding myself stuff, then when I go into a shoot, I'm a lot more aware of the tools and languages that are kind of available to tell a story. You know, a lot of our work, we're, we're traveling. So like location stuff is really important for me in my films. I consider like location kind of a third character, you know, in the wedding. Mm. These, these people are choosing uh, to get married in this place. So it's very important to them. Um, and they're going to look back on this memory and be like, wow, you know, we chose to get married in Cabo or Turks and Caicos or Singapore or whatever. And, and you know, that that's also very important to them. And I think it also brings out for me the sense of like it looking and feeling like a movie. And yeah. that's kind of really big for me is just kind of having that kind of drama or a Hollywood feel to the film. So that type of stuff, you know, that that gets me jazzed up and my motor's going. So by the time, you know, the wedding day comes around, uh, I'm ready to go. As far as literal composition? Yeah, just looking for, like, uh, negative space, you know, symmetry, lighting, our couples being comfortable, um, who I'm working with as a photographer that's going to inspire me, you know, like what kind of vibe they have. I don't know. Those are just a couple things. No, I saw, I definitely... I watched a number of your uh, your videos, but I'm thinking in particular about the one that was circulating just uh, a week or so ago and kind of putting myself in, in your eyes and thinking about some of the different shots, you know, like um, particularly talking about location being a big piece. A lot of your shots were these stunning landscapes or even things that maybe seemed more mundane. Like I remember one shot, it was an overhead straight down shot that you had done with your drone of some, uh, you know, cargo ships coming in. Um, all these like little pieces that in and of themselves may seem to some people like they're irrelevant, but you're seeing this much bigger picture of, hey, this, this couple chose this location for a reason, and this is all part of that scene, but it also... Not only does it give that bigger picture of the location, but it's also um, it's it's something that's important to this couple, uh, the the whole environment of it, and it's even adding to this cinematic feel that you want your films to feel like they're a movie. And some of these landscapes and 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 different shots that you do of the location itself really accomplish that. So, yeah, I'm definitely hearing, like, some of the pieces of what you're saying um, really play out through through having this film in my head. So, yeah, that's awesome. Cool, man. Uh, one of the things I also heard you saying that I might dive a little bit deeper into there is you looking at outside inspiration. 
you know, it sounds like you're a real student of other art forms. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, first off, I, I started making films when I was probably like eight, actually. I had a, my dad's Super 8 movie camera, and uh, I would write little scripts for my G.I. Joes, and they'd like try and rescue G.I. Jane. <laughs> so yeah it was they were really sloppy but it, i mean it's pretty cool to be able to kind of look at you know today no that's amazing dude but i went to this like really experimental small art school san francisco art institute and uh it's really conceptual they really emphasized learning the masters art history film history photography history i found some people that i think are huge influences on my work in that process um one of my favorite filmmakers, Andrei Tarkovsky, he's a Russian filmmaker from the 60s. He's kind of in the same time period as Stanley Kubrick, and they kind of would go back and forth. One would make a film, the other one would kind of make a response to it. And uh, oh, wow. Kubrick made 2001, and Tarkovsky made Solaris, which George Clooney made a remake of with Steven Soderbergh, like 2012 or something, but... The original one is by right. Tarkovsky. Anyways, the reason I bring all this up is my film company's name, Sculpting with Time, is based off of uh, the, a book that Tarkovsky wrote called Sculpting in Time. So I, I kind of bit him there, but it's only an ode and uh, out of respect for uh, his craft. So yeah, I think I found a lot of inspiration there. And uh, I'm kind of going off topic here, but... Uh, no, this is good. Okay, cool. Right after film school, I, I directed a feature-length documentary. I got into some cool festivals, and uh, I got some cool like documentary projects uh, where I was helping this pretty famous artist um, who did like sculpture stuff, and I did the video work, and we did a couple of museum pieces. But it's so sporadic. It wasn't like the type of thing that I could persuade this girl, who's now my wife, to uh, want to marry me because it was like, you're gone for six months at a time. You don't have a steady job. Like I could, I could hear the conversation from her parents, like in my head, you know. So I was like, man, I'm, I'm gonna start doing weddings and stuff, um, just to have some kind of constant revenue, but not just for the money. Like, I, I think we're all interested in telling stories. I had some elitist art school and museum people like, wait, you're moving to Texas to be with this girl, and you're gonna be making wedding film. And I said, you could not write. A story, you know, a more real, more impactful story. Mm -hmm. And like these two people, they've, you know, searched their whole lives for each other, generations before them, all the choices that they made for them to like be standing in this very moment, choose and profess their love for each other. And, and it's not scripted. You know, we, we wanted to keep doing commercial stuff, but also do weddings at the same time. And for a while, the weddings were just so much. You don't, you can't do anything else because you're doing 30 weddings a year and the workload is just really intense. Yeah. And so that's all we could do for a while. But now we've kind of like taken the reins back a little bit. We're, we're trying to do less weddings. We're trying to raise our rates. We're trying to, you know, keep the commercial projects going too. And I think the back and forth allows me to kind of stay engaged, stay inspired, stay fresh. And man, I think a lot of people that do weddings... You know, commercial stuff seems like it's a different world or whatever, but the skills that you refine and learn during weddings, I mean, like, I felt like it was like being baptized in fire, man. And I had been to film school. And, you know, the way I'm able to react now so quickly with a camera that it's like an extension of my arm, 
and I don't even have to think about it and everything's so intuitive for sure. And yep. you know, the way you're able to come up with like really solid material and be kind of a one man wrecking crew, right. you know, you don't need 10 people around you to kind of make one shot happen. I think that type of stuff, it really translates and it's a skill set that you can't really learn anywhere else. We're all telling stories, shooting weddings and, I think more people than not, if if they just gave themselves the time to try a couple of commercial projects, they'd be really surprised at how good they were at it. Yeah, absolutely. So many of our guests have, have said similar comments of, you know, if, if you can shoot a wedding, you can probably shoot anything, you know, because yeah, it really is, it is sure. a baptism by fire. That's a great way to put it for sure. Um, talk to me about you kind of you kind of breezed over this a little bit, but I want to understand more about what role composition plays in telling the stories. I would say like I want every shot to be able to stand on its own mm. and I want every shot to to have a strength to it to where people um, see that there's intention behind it and that it adds something to the story that I want to tell. So yeah, I would, I would say it's very prominent in my hierarchy of, you know, what, what needs to be strong, you know, composite. It's just been my visual storytelling language that that's been one of the critical points for me or one of the points that I felt like I was able to excel at is, is composition. So I'm always looking for just moments that really stand out. You know, we're not really, I know most people say this, but we're not really into posing couples. Uh, a lot of the times, you know, we're working with some pretty high-end photographers and it's it's a dance with the photographers. And mm. if we have the time to be able to do stuff on our own with them, then that's great. But a lot of the times, you know, I just have my 24 to 70 on my movie and I'm zoomed in all the way at 70 on a Super 35 sensor. And I'm just trying to get some uh, torquing shots while the photographer is shooting. Right. So there's only so much you can kind of do to kind of control the environment. And uh, so, you know, but if I can, definitely, it's not just composition because it's also like what lenses you choose to get the look out of the image you want sure. or what kind of uh, techniques you use or what you put in front of the lens, you know, whether you want to put a crystal or you want to lens whack or you want to use a tilt shift or you want to shoot 200 millimeters and compress your subject against the background or from a lot further back. Or, you know, if you're using like, uh, you know, a, a gimbal, how much are you going to want to see of movement in your film? You know, because I know like five or six years ago, it was just everyone was slider, 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 like pretty much every shot. And then now it's cool seeing there's some rebellion against that with the with like Matt and Sharon and stuff like that. And I, I really dig that. It's like, no, we don't need to move. You know, it's more of a it's more about this moment. And like this is timeless. You know, people are going to laugh at all the slider stuff 20 years from now. Mm. And I think I think every tool is valid. I don't think there's um, a tool that's not that doesn't have its place. Right. But I think it's more about the balance of not relying too heavily on one tool, whether it's speed ramping, transitions, sliders, movies, uh, stagnant shots. 
uh, time lapses, like it's all about just having a good flow to everything to where you keep the viewer kind of in that suspension of disbelief and you keep the viewer engaged and, and nothing feels um, predictable. Yeah, absolutely. Tell me, talk to me a little bit more about the role that movement plays in your composition. You know, one of the things I noticed about uh, your films is there, there is a lot of dynamic movement that is, you know, just in my opinion, just brilliantly done. Uh, so talk to me about that. What role movement plays in composition and in storytelling, um, you know, what's making your decisions about the tool that you're going to use um, in terms of movement? I know. I mean, with weddings, I kind of know at, at this point, not that there's a formula, but I know for me, like the only times I'm really using a movie are like during the private sequence and uh, the very first part of the reception. Right. And I've just learned that kind of through experience. That's kind of when I use it. I use it during the, uh, the portrait session just because I want to have one tool that I'm going to use that I'm not going to set down, that I'm not going to be switching a bunch of stuff. And with that, I can get my stagnant shots. I don't have to be moving with it. Uh, I have a 24 to 70 on there, so I can go wide. I can go you know tight, and then I can add movement should I want to. I just feel like if I if I am going to be moving, I want it to be a dynamic movement. I want there to be multiple axes of movement. I don't want to just be moving left. I want to be moving up and down and left. And movement's important, I think, uh, or just being aware of it. You know, you can go against it or you can go with it. You can use no movement and saying, I, I know movement can change the film and I'm choosing to not use it, you know, that's very intentional and, and you're still thinking about movement. Sure. But yeah, like, like I was saying earlier, I think all these tools are really powerful. Um, but when you rely on them too heavily, I think they lose their impact mm. and uh, it's too predictable at that point. There's nothing that's, that's impressing them. Yeah. So. Absolutely. And maybe perhaps, you know, it's, it's kind of like you were mentioned several years ago. It's like every shot was a slider and, you know, if, at first it's like, oh my gosh, that's so smooth and beautiful. And now it's just like, oh, it's that again. And it's not that, you know, you don't use a slider. Like you said, every tool has a place, uh, but every tool can also be overused. And so I think there's that nice, like, balance that I see in, in your films where, yeah, there's beautiful, smooth movement that's, you know, going on two axes and, you know, it's, it's beautiful in that way, but there's also locked down shots that are equally as beautiful, but they, they change, they change the space. And then they even, you know, the still shot in and of itself adds to the drama of when you have that two axis movement going on. And I think one more thing to, to add to uh, the movement kind of question is that, I think people have a tendency when they're using gimbals or they're following people that they kind of turn that switch and they're in kind of like documentarian mode and okay, I'm behind the subject mm. and like, I'm going to follow them, you know? And I think it's also important to think of, you know, just think of composition the same way you would if it was on sticks and, you know, maybe you just do a little push forward into a stagnant shot, but it's because the composition's already set up and strong 
that like that movement works. And so still thinking about composition when, when you, you are using a gimbal and, you know, using negative space or, you know, shooting at 70 millimeters so everything is a little uh, flatter, you know, whatever. But um, I, I think, you know, composition is still really important um, when you're using like a gimbal. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. I wanted to take a quick break here in the middle of the show to tell you about a new way that I'm saving thousands of dollars a year on music licensing. First of all, if you're new to making wedding films, you should know that you can't just pay 99 cents to iTunes and use that in your videos online. It's against the law, and you could face a heavy fine or even jail time. Yikes! So, until now, you've had to pay somewhere between 10 to $50 per song on average to get good music for your wedding films legally. And then, if you want to use that same song in a different video, you have to pony up the cash again. For some of you, this means paying well north of $5,000 a year in music licensing fees. So, what if you could get unlimited, amazing licensed music for your wedding films for only $135 a year? This is amazing. I used to spend that much just on one video. If you want to learn more, go to soundstripe.com or click the link on our website. And now, Soundstripe is offering 10% off to our listeners with the code WFA10. So again, go to soundstripe.com and use WFA10 to get 10% off of your full year of fantastic licensed music for your videos today. Not only that, but when you use code WFA10 at checkout, your purchase helps support the Wedding Film Academy to keep bringing you amazing free content to help you make better wedding films and run a more successful business. I, uh, one of the things I'm also hearing what you say is just this idea of having a broad knowledge of all of these things, all these tools that are used, all these rules of composition even if you aren't going to use them because it's, and, and even, even to the point of like, you know, you studying, uh, you know, older filmmakers and, you know, painters and it's, it's having this knowledge that in a lot of ways builds this innate sense of, I know what I'm going to do when I'm there. It's like when I asked you one of the questions earlier, um, about your composition, your first response was, I don't know. And the, I think the reason that you had the response of, I don't know, is because it's become so intuitive for you. You know, you've built up this, this big, uh, you know, repertoire of, of, you know, mental tools that you're using. And sometimes it's hard to articulate that just because it's, it's it's intuitive to you you know it's it's like you know you set your, your camera as an extension of your arm in the same way i think a lot of these mental tools that you're using with your composition over time as you study them just become a part of who you are and i think that's what i see in your work is it seems very natural to who you are an extension of of your creative self sure i'll take it <laughs> <laughs> awesome Awesome. Okay, uh, get back into a little bit of uh, like some some more specifics. Um, let's say you're in that scenario where 
you know, you're working with the photographer and the photographer says, okay, now your turn. Um, talk to me about anything that you're doing at that point to, to, to direct what's going on, what the couple is going to do and the shots that you're going to get whenever you've been given that free hand, because sometimes we get that, you know, we, we complain a lot that we don't get that enough, but, but sometimes we do get that. So talk to me about what your mindset is and what your approach is and maybe any specifics that you're doing whenever you get those moments alone with the couple. Well, first I'd say efficiency is critical, you know, Hmm. um, because you're only going to have a few minutes. So you don't want to be stuck with your uh, pants down and (laughs) like only get two or three shots. So I think, uh, easy way to kind of get a lot of content is whatever you're shooting get a tight version and a wide version you know Mm. and so there at least you know you can introduce the space at some point wider and you know you can have a more intimate feel even if you're just sprinkling in these shots non-linearly into the shorter film you know it doesn't have to all be in one sequence and so just having that that contrast you know will keep the footage fresh even if you don't have that much time Right. And then, yeah, I think I think some of some of the poses that photographers do, they can feel just a little too formal, a little too stiff for for video. They probably look great in photos. Sure. And, you know, they, they obviously do because people are hiring these people and, you know, they're paying good money for them. But I think for video, you want them to feel a little more natural. You want there to be that sense of movement. And uh, so I'll be able to get some good close up portraits at that point. And I'm on my movie, so I'll kind of get some tighter shots, get some movement, you know, kind of torque around them a touch, push in, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, probably if we have some time, get them to walk a little bit, uh, you know, kind of follow them around from behind, from the side, from the front. Uh, Just try and get as much content as I can in in a shorter amount of time. Yeah. Um, That's pretty much it. That's great. For sure. Talk to me, you mentioned this in the beginning, and I think it's interesting, and we talked about this a little bit with Matt last week, but I'm curious about how you see light playing a role in your composition. And, you know, when you're using, you mentioned using natural light as much as possible. So, you know, when you're using natural light, if and when you're bringing in additional light sources and, and kind of how you're using those to, to compose the image the way that you want it. And, and when I say composition here, I am talking in the bigger sense that you mentioned earlier, um, you know, which is so many things more, more than just, you know, leading lines, rule of thirds, this kind of thing. It's, it's how am I building the image onto the sensor through all the tools I have at my disposal? So talk to me about the role that lighting plays in that. Yeah. Well, first of all, I think cameras are like, you know, we all need to take a step back and realize like there's like this deep witchcraft or sorcery going on. I mean, (laughs) like if you just think about like what a camera is doing, I mean, that's pretty amazing that, uh, I mean, if you told me, if you asked me or if I had a kid, I don't have a kid yet. And they were like, hey, how does a camera work? You know, I think we're all very fortunate and and, uh, blessed to have Google these days because I think that's answering a lot of kids' questions about how things work. 
it's an incredible tool and I, I think I just I like feeling uh, humble about it and I like just kind of being still mystified and blown away by like the simple things that we kind of can take for granted. Mm. But yeah, I think, you know, light, light is, light is very important. It's very special. Um, it can change a feeling, a mood. It can create atmosphere. It can create drama. It can allow your subject to like really stand out in the frame. At first was doing weddings. I just wanted to like do what everyone else was doing and just get to that point where I felt like I had control over my craft and I was in complete control of an event. And once I kind of felt like I had that confidence or kind of mastered these kind of basic skill sets and I was, I was doing all right, you know, like people, I was working with some good planners, but I, I, I think as I got more involved in commercial work and got on some bigger projects, I got more eager to kind of, I don't know, shake things up a little bit, go against the grain a little bit. Just, you know, I, I didn't need to completely reinvent the wheel, but sprinkle in a little bit of this, a little bit of that here and there and kind of gauge what people's reactions were. And uh, I started noticing like, okay, I feel like I'm, I'm gaining more of an identity, more of a voice. I'm standing out a little bit more. And uh, people weren't afraid or scared of it. You know, that people see so many techniques in Hollywood cinema that they're pretty, even if on a subconscious level, they're pretty well adjusted to seeing all different aesthetics, approaches, um, techniques. They see a lot of that stuff in Hollywood. So it's not like you're showing them something, even if it's not very typical in weddings, they see it elsewhere. So it's not like, oh my gosh. But I think the most important thing is to not rely on any one kind of thing, a tool or aesthetic or an approach. Kind of gets into the realm of being a gimmick at that point. Um, and, and you're not kind of challenging yourself or the viewer. And so, yeah, I've just kind of slowly kept on trying to challenge myself and keep things kind of fresh for me. And, you know, I feel like it's, it's really been beneficial for me. Now I wouldn't, I'm not trying to tell everyone to like reinvent themselves. Um, to the contrary, I'm just saying like, don't be, don't be afraid of your voice. Like everyone has a different voice and just, you know, try and find that authentic voice. Um, and just ask yourself, questions like what, what is it that i like or what is it that like about my films that is my strongest asset or like what do i really like about hollywood movies or mm. you know just just um don't be afraid to like engage yourself um really try and honor and find your voice and i feel like in that kind of process of self-discovery i i've been more successful that way and i've kind of been happier that way. Awesome. Alex, I know that you are uh, super busy right now that you just flew in uh, and that you've got another big shoot coming up. So I don't want to hold you too much longer. Do you have anything else that you feel like is just kind of a burning thing that you need to, you need to say, or. I think that was probably a pretty good kind of general kind of statement about finding your your voice so i think when we just try and like just try and copy stuff oh that was cool like i want to start doing that it can be successful to, to some extent but you, you can't 
necessarily like just fake it till you make it type of thing. And I, I think also the danger is, you know, with planners or with your clients, if you're just going to like turn your films upside down, like you have to find the right people that are going to appreciate that. Um, you know, we're in Houston and we've kind of always not been the black sheep, but you know, we've always been known as kind of just a little different. And so, yeah, we've lost out on certain weddings uh, or certain types of weddings. And at first that was disappointing, but then it got me to seek out, you know, the type of films that I wanted to make. You know, there's no roadmap or like instruction manual on how to get exactly where you want to be. I, I think more than anything, it's, it's uh, passion and it's, you know, being willing to like put in time and effort and know that it's going to pay off down the road uh, and getting you where you want to get to, even if it doesn't pay off right away. I know the whole adage of like, oh, it'll get you exposure. And that really irks a lot of people. And yeah, there are a lot of people that try and take advantage of, of artists by saying that. But if you're the one that pitches it to whoever and you know that you're going to get exposure from it and it's something you're excited about and you're passionate about it, you can you can monetize that. You know, you no one's going to knock down your door and say, hey, here's a bag full of money. You know, you're going to have to knock down those doors and the money, the money will come. No, that's great advice. I really appreciate that. Well, Alex, it has been awesome having you on. I know you have to run. Uh, but real quick, if you would just tell our, our listeners uh, where they can go to find out more about what you're up to. Yeah, and uh, just to plug the project we're working on right now, we're doing a cool film uh, that's going to be released at the beginning of August on uh, disabled veterans. Hmm. It's a nonprofit organization that supplies like uh, a lot of like gym equipment, uh, personal like home gyms, trainers, um, just inspires a lot of these veterans that you know, relied so heavily on their physicality and to have that taken away from them, it's a tough spot. And so these uh, vets are doing amazing things and uh, they're really inspiring a lot of people. We're shooting this double amputee tomorrow who uh, just won six gold medals at the Warrior Games. Wow. And uh, But yeah, pretty cool. That's going to drop kind of beginning of August. And then uh, if anyone wants to see any of our work, they can check out our work on our website. There's a lot of stuff on there, uh, various commercial projects, weddings kind of from all over geographically. Um, it's just sculptingwithtime.com, pretty simple. And then our Facebook page, you know, Sculpting With Time Productions. Give us a follow if you want. And uh, Instagram. And if anyone has any questions, man, just reach out. We're probably going to try and do some uh, educational stuff here coming up, just trying to get it all in place. Awesome. Let me know when you do and uh, we'll be sure and let our listeners know about all that because I know as much as they can can learn from you, they're, they're going to be eager to do so. Cool. Cool. Well, thanks for having me on, Jordan. Yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. It's been great, man. All right. Take care. The Wedding Film Academy podcast is produced by Taylor Juarez. If you found this episode helpful, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show and help us out by leaving a five-star review on iTunes. And when you're done, head on over to WeddingFilmAcademy.org to chat with our other wedding filmmakers like yourself in the comment section. Until next time, keep making movie magic.